Welcome to the Bad Roman Podcast. On this show, we talk with veterans, community leaders, Christians, and non-Christians as we explore the entanglement of Christians with the state. The Bad Roman Project was created out of the firm belief that as Christians, we are called to follow Christ, not the state. Here is your host, Craig Hargis. Hey folks, how often do you consider focusing on your health to be good stewardship? Since we are all part of God's creation, shouldn't we take better care of ourselves? He instructed us to steward these physical worlds so it would make sense that would include our physical bodies. Today, today Adam Bro joins me to discuss his fantastic ebook titled Faith and Fitness Integrating Physical Health with Spiritual Growth. Let's go. Yeah. Left, right, left, right, left. We got our marching right, orders, man. Left, right, left, right. We'd rather left, serve God than right, serve Caesar, you left, know me? Right. I'm just trying to live. Adam, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Craig, man. Thanks for letting me be here. I've been looking forward to this. You know, it's like I told you before we started recording, I I noticed a lot of folks kind of waking up to their health a little bit during the COVID stuff. And it, I think it's it's more and more people are kind of waking up to it. And I, I'm happy to see it. I started looking at more aspects of what I could do to make myself healthier, you know, to, to kind of battle some of the stuff that we see as far as like illnesses coming up. And you mentioned this in the book, and we'll get into that here in a little bit, but before we get into the book, why don't you um, give us a little background of yourself and then we'll, we'll, we'll start from there. Perfect, man. So again, my name is Adam. I am a personal trainer, functional nutritionist, and a pastor. So I've been a pastor for many years. I've started in the ministry back when I was 16 years old um, and worked in some form of Christian ministry, nonprofit world for the last 30 plus years. And um I've been a missionary. I've been, you know, I've been all over the world, traveled to probably more countries than I have states. So I've had, I've had a really good opportunity to do a lot around the world and see a lot of different people, cultures, and honestly, how people take care of themselves in a lot of ways. So my background is very much in the Christian ministry framework. But I've always had this passion for fitness. I've always lifted weights and tried, tried to be athletic. And you know what I mean? You're just a guy. You grow up in the South and you play sports. And, you know, I found that I found that fitness and just trying to be stronger, in a sense, gave me a sense of control over life. So I just kind of developed this passion for it. And uh, yeah, I've, you know, God's been good to me that I've been able to kind of converge those two things together in this current season of my life. So uh, I work a lot with pastors, their teams, uh, nonprofit members, um, stuff like that, so that they can either continue to invest in their health or start investing in their health so they can thrive and do the thing that they feel like they're called to do. Right. And I remember I, I remember seeing you. We, we got connected at Memphis Judo and Jiu-Jitsu. That's where I know you from. And I made a lot of friends out of that gym. And I love that place. I love the people that go there and train and I've met some wonderful people there and we, we got connected on um, Facebook, I guess, I don't know, maybe I friended you or something, but you were talking, I remember you were talking about writing an ebook. This was before the book came out and I remember messaging you. And then here recently I saw that it was out and I messaged you again. And now we're going to talk about it because at the time when I started getting involved with jujitsu, it was also what maybe a year. No, I started last year. So a couple of years after the COVID situation, where I started paying more attention to my health, the supplements I was taking, things I could do to help prevent getting sick from COVID. 
you know, because I didn't really understand how how serious it was. I didn't I didn't know. I didn't trust a lot of what the government was saying anyway. But I was going to do what I could to protect myself. Okay, so I would read things about because I couldn't wear a mask. I wasn't going to get a vaccine. So I would read things like, well, I could take quercetin, and quercetin was one of these supplements I added. And I added, you know, made sure I was getting enough vitamin D. And the stuff that they were not telling us to do is something I was reading about doing. And then I noticed a lot of folks in the in the Christian realm of, that follow the project started paying more attention to their health. You start seeing people talking about, you know, these are things you can do to help prevent getting sick from COVID and stuff. But getting back to jujitsu, I was I've, I've always off and on always kind of lifted weights and done cardio and stuff. But at the time, I was getting more serious into it. And then I started reading. I kept hearing about jujitsu. A lot of folks that run around in these Christian anarchy circles that I'm in, a lot of people train jujitsu. And I listen to Joe Rogan quite a bit. And he's always talking about jujitsu. I looked into it and I, I just Googled jujitsu near me and Memphis Judo and jujitsu popped up and adding that to to my training has been very beneficial and in, in getting me back into shape and keeping me in shape, you know, and, it, and the discipline side of it is fantastic as well. And I know you're a lot more, you're a lot more advanced than I am. And, and actually I think everybody at gym is probably more advanced than I am, but it's okay. I don't mind. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've got to meet some, like I said, meet some great people and I'll get there. I just got to stick with it, you know, and try not to get hurt. I'm older than a lot of the folks there as well, but yeah, jujitsu. I, I love that gym, man. I love, and that's where we did meet. I, I appreciated that. Um, I remember you in the day class hanging out. I mean, you're not a small person, so you're, you're, <laughs> you're hard to miss. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, and I'm kind of loud too. Yeah. Well, you know, you got that good country flow, you know what I mean? Just like <laughs> I'm big and I'm here, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I, but I appreciate it, man. And I actually just went today, uh, to the open mats and we did a bunch of sparring and stuff today. So I've been to open mat a couple of times. It just really kind of depends like with my work Sunday can be really busy for me to catch up on stuff at home. So I've got to kind of play it like that and plus you know with my with work starting to pick up a little bit we're gonna get some more overtime in so i gotta get my rest in as well so and you're the one that told me about the breakfast club when i I'd heard about it and you told me about it and so i started getting into it like i told you before we started recording they don't play around in that class <laughs> but they're they're all they're all good people i mean yeah. the breakfast club is the 5 30 a.m guys those are the guys who are <laughs> serious you know what i mean it's like oh if we showed up at 5 30 we're gonna bang heads for you know, for an hour straight, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, and then sh- and hug it out and then leave. That's the, yeah, <laughs> that's the best way to describe it. But it works perfect for me because like I said, I get off work around four in the morning. I can run, I work in Carryville. I can run home, take a shower and head to the gym. I can be there on time. So it's, uh, it works out for me as long as I don't mind going getting beat up for an hour and then, then make it home. <laughs> I think waking up the, that afternoon, getting ready for work is the worst though. Like <laughs> you wake up, you're like, oh, I am I like you got hit by a car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> All right. So I wouldn't want to talk about this and there's a, there's some, ch- I don't want to move too, too far ahead, but in chapter one, you mentioned that faith and fitness are not mutually exclusive. And I think that's very important for people to understand too, because if we're not physically able to do the things that God wants us to do, I mean, we're, we're I don't want to say we're useless or worthless because I think that's too extreme, mm-hmm. but I, but I would think that, we're making making our witness too difficult, or we're not we're not able to talk, go do the things that he wants us to do. Um, as far as is spreading the gospel, and and I want you to kind of t- talk about that a little bit because I think that's an important point that you started basically started the whole book off with. Yeah, so I have just found 
that some for some somehow uh, in the in the Christian community we have we have focused so heavily on our spiritual growth, you know, and our faith, and, our, and which needed like obviously that is needed, um, but we have done ourselves a disservice by ignoring our physical health in a sense. My in my opinion. How is it in my best interest if I feel I'm called to do something for the Lord, if I feel like I have this purpose on my life and I am actively either intentionally or unintentionally sabotaging the duration that I'll be able to do that thing by mistreating my body, not sleeping, you know, eating poorly, you know what I mean? Like treating my body like an amusement park rather than treating it as it is a temple, right? And this thing, this, this body is meant to carry me through this life to do the things God's called me to do. And now some people are, you know, some people are born with problems. Some people are born with health issues and that's part of their walk with the Lord, but it's not part of your walk with the Lord, your testimony to make yourself sick and then pray for a miracle, right? So it's like, I really feel like we're doing ourselves a disservice and we're kind of not honoring the call that the Lord's put on us if we are not actively trying to invest in our health, both physically and mentally, and then coupling that with our faith to become an integrated whole person rather than just a Christian. And you mentioned this in, in the book, and we'll probably get to it at some point, but it, you know, there are things that are happening to people that can't be helped. And, and you, you're very clear about that. And but there's there's a lot of things that can be helped just by taking better care of yourself. What did they say? Seventy percent of the things that kill us in huge numbers are diseases of lifestyle, or technically, what they were called back in the day is diseases of affluence. Right? They're a rich man's disease. Yeah. Right. Being out of shape and overweight and like having diabetes, those are not just genetic issues. Those are diseases of affluence. It's I'm literally so well taken care of that I don't have to expend calories to eat. I'm so well taken care of that I can choose whatever I want to eat. I don't have to choose only the thing that's available, right? So it's like we have to realize like these these things that are actively killing the majority of us or sabotaging our health are diseases of choice, not something that's happening to you, but something you're choosing in a lot of ways. Right. Um, but, but again, there are people who have genetic issues or, you know, they're born with maybe less health than you or I were born with. And that's part of their testimony. That's something they have to work with. But we're all given a deck of cards. We're all given a hand, you know, and you got to play with the cards you were given. Exactly. And, you know, and that's what you were just mentioned was in chapter three. We'll get, I was going to get to that and we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that again because I, I, I want to, I, I kind of I want to drill down on that a little bit about, you know, and we'll, we're going to talk about sleep and diet as well towards the end of the show as well. But, and not to jump too far ahead, you mentioned this in chapter three, but you said this book is, is not about vanity. And I, and I remember it reminded me of something when I was reading that I used to attend this little Southern Baptist church in, in Northwest Arkansas. And me and a couple of guys, I don't know, three or four of us maybe, we'd all meet at my house and went on and brought over a weight bench and we'd set it up in the garage. We'd lift some weights and we'd run around the block and stuff. And we were doing this, you know, on a regular basis. And, and our preacher got, he got word of it. And he called us out during the sermon one day. And he's like, and I don't know, it, 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 he kind of, he didn't come out and call us being vain, but it almost sounded like he was using 
we were kind of, he thought we were being vain in, in doing this because he's like, I've got y'all were trying to get a six pack. He goes, I've got the whole keg. And he made a joke about it. It was funny. Ha ha. But at the same time, I was sitting there thinking, what's wrong with us getting together? Even if we're just lifting weights and running around, but we're also fellowshipping. We're also talking about church. We're also talking about our faith. I mean, it's not like we're just sitting here. I was probably the only single guy of the bunch. Everybody else was married. So we weren't out there trying to get bigger to chase girls around either. You know, that's what we were. We were hanging out, lifting weights. Of course, I was chasing girls around. I'm not going to lie about it. I have that I have that tendency whenever I'm single. But, hey, you know, we were we were just hanging out, lifting weights. I mean, I thought it was a good thing. And it, it was almost pointed out like we were being vain in our but I don't know, man. That's I just remember that sitting in church that day when I read that, when you said this book is not about vanity. Yeah. And I, I well, thanks for sharing that, too. But it's also we we have this for some reason, we have this thought that if I wish to look better, that I am somehow being shallow. Right. But honestly, how you look, one is a combination of genetics. Right. Like 80% of what you look like is your genetics. But the other 20% is very much in your control, like how big you are, how much muscle mass you have, how fit you are. And um, I don't see that as vanity. I see that as a data point to help you make a decision. If I'm not in the shape I want to be at and I, when I look at myself, to me, that's a data point to say, okay, well, now I need to make some decisions. Like I need to start figuring this thing out. Um, vanity is usually what people cry when they are um, when they are insecure about their own situation, right? So I had preachers do the same exact thing to me, where it was like, this guy's over here working out, but I'm like, Paul, I'm going to buffet my body. And I'm like, okay, you're going to buffet your body into obesity. That's great, um, right? I'm going to live longer than you, <laughs> right? So it's like, okay. But honestly, anytime somebody disparages Fitness, in a sense, it usually is coming from a sense of insecurity on their part, not something you're doing. Does that make sense? No, no. I was actually sitting there thinking that while you while you were talking about that, because I I, think, I don't think if, if people say that they're not to if, if they don't feel better, if they're getting in shape, they can see their bodies changing and they're getting better. They're looking better, uh-huh. feeling better, sleeping better. You can't I don't think if, if you're telling me that that's not making you feel better about yourself when your body's changing. I think you're lying to me. I don't believe you. 100% because I, 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 there's a, and I don't, I don't, I don't know. I actually, I don't care if people email me and, and, and want to gripe at me about stuff, but you know, we got this thing about fat shaming and stuff. And I got to tell you, I was, I got a, a buddy of mine who follows a podcast. Of, he's become a really good friend of mine. He lives down there in Louisiana where you're from. And he's dropped a hundred pounds here recently. He's changed his diet and, and he's just, he's being real serious about, it. he's a big dude, you know, and he's, he's, he's changing his diet. He's, he's done a lot of things. He's dropped a lot of weight fast and he's been real excited. He's real proud of himself. So you can see how that changes a person's mentality when they start getting in better shape. I believe a person when they say, I feel better about myself when I'm getting in shape. I don't believe a person when like, no, I'm not really concerned about it. And it doesn't really make me feel better about myself getting in shape. I don't believe you. I just don't think that's true. I don't think it is either. And I think that um, the very idea of fat shaming is, in my opinion, a little silly. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to disparage anybody who is overweight or anything like that. Like, hey, if you're struggling with that, I get it. But wanting to lose weight is not being fat phobic. Wanting to lo- lose weight and be at a healthy weight for you is disease phobic. I am 
afraid of being sick, right? That's what it is because all of our health markers improve. Everyone that we can measure improves when we get down to a weight that is comfortable for our bodies. That's just, that's just the way it is. So it's not that we're scared of fat is that we don't want disease because being overweight is correlated very heavily with diabetes, heart disease, dementia, and all these other issues, right? So it's like, we're not disparaging that. We're just saying, hey, that's not the healthiest place that I can be in. And I'm here to live the best life I can for as long as I can so I can help as many people as possible, right? So if, if that means I'm fat phobic, then I'm fat phobic. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. Yeah, and it's, you know, and I'm, I'm nowhere near in the best shape of my life, but, I, but I'm working on it. And I do, I do notice a difference. And I do know, notice a difference in how I sleep and how my mood changes and stuff. And, and I'm, I'm just in a, I'm in a, I feel better about myself and I've still got, I like the work. I like the challenge. I like that. It's, there's more to, there's more to do. And if I ever get to a position, like you're, you're in great shape. If I ever get to, in, to that kind of shape, I feel like it's a challenge and probably a challenge to keep that, keep it that way too. And I like the, I like the challenge. I mean, I'm, when I think about going to the gym after work, instead of running home, going to sleep, I get excited about going to the gym. It hurts sometimes. It hurts sometimes the next day. You know, I'm not as young as I used to be, but I still get excited about it. Where in the past, I might not have been so excited about just to go home and drink a beer and go to bed, you know. <laughs> you might do that after working yeah. out anyway. <laughs> but, you know, it says something, though. It says something. Um, it says something to you when you start taking care of yourself and you start putting your discipline above your desire, right? Like above your like immediate desire. You have a vision for who you want to be and where you want to be. It speaks to you, right? It gives you confidence. Then it also speaks to the people who you're trying to help and trying to be around. When you walk into a room and you're in relatively good shape, you look like you take care of yourself, you people immediately know, okay, this guy's serious. This guy's confident. He's obviously doing something to take care of himself. He looks good. If you walk in and you're kind of slovenly, you know, you're just not in great shape and you look, you're all out of breath, you're sweating from walking in, coming up the stairs. You know, nobody's going to make fun of you. Nobody's going to think less of you. But it does set off this air of, you know, like, is this guy, this guy needs to take care of himself. Is he OK? Like immediately, it's no longer about looking confident. It's about I'm kind of worried about that guy. Is he all right? Right. So it's like it helps your external perspective and it helps my internal perspective to be more confident, you know, and it's just great. It's great for you. Yeah, that's true. That's that's very true. And I, and I, have, I know people in my life, too, that I am genuinely concerned about. Exactly. You know, and it's not because I'm thinking down about them or no. looking down on them. It's not that I'm generally concerned about them because I, I don't want them to die. I don't want them to yeah. have major complications. We're, we're in this together, man. You know, like, I like you. I want you to be around. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, somebody said to me, too, like, well, we all, but none of us get out of here alive and, you know, we're all going to die someday, which is true. I, I, I believe that. I mean, it's 100%. <laughs> it's everybody. But at the same time, I, I don't want to live uncomfortable while I am alive. I mean, if if I leave tomorrow, leave to go to work tomorrow, and I get killed in a, in a car wreck, that I, that could happen. I understand that, but at the same time, while I am on this earth, I want to feel good. I don't want to wake up sluggish all the time. I don't want to, you know, wake go to bed sluggish. I want to be able. To have, I like the energy I have from working out. I pop up out of bed. That's the difference between health span and lifespan, right? We all have, we're all going to have a particular lifespan. We're all, you know, and 
modern medicine can really extend that lifespan significantly. But what it doesn't extend is health span. How long am I healthy without any major issues? Right. So it's like, yeah, many of people, uh, many people live into their 80s and 90s, but most of them are in very poor shape from about 75 on. And they're, you know, super weak, frail, sickly, and they're just kind of teetering on the edge. And that's the last thing you want. You'd rather, like I had, <laughs> I had an old dog at my house uh, when I was younger. The dog was on the property when we moved in, right? So we kind of moved in and the dog was like, well, I'm here too, right? So, and it was like an old chow lab mix. And that dog just chased cars, went nuts, chased squirrels, like just lived like a soldier, like a dog in a field for the rest, for its whole life. Right. And I remember one day she was out running down the road barking. And then next thing you know, I hear her lay down and she goes, oh, and she was dead. She was dead. She had a heart attack and died right there. Right. But she lived to the fullest extent up until the last second. Right. And I was like, that's how I want to go out. I want to go out full strength all the way to the end. And then it's just like I just fell off a cliff and, and I'm done. I went and saw Jesus. I don't want to linger you know, having some having somebody in my family take care of my my bedpan while I'm, you know what I mean? Like that's that's, that's no there's no dignity in that, in my opinion. So if I can stave that off, heck, yeah, let's freaking do it, man. <laughs> For sure. You know what I'm, I'm not trying to wear diapers. <laughs> in chapter two, you mentioned um, God's creation is us as well. And we forget that sometimes when it comes to stewardship and. I remember before I got to this point in the book, when I was reading, I was sitting there, I was thinking as I was reading, because I've all, I've always had that mentality when we talk about God's creation. I'm, I'm talk, we're talking about the trees and the rivers and the and the birds and the deer, you know, and, and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. very rarely was I ever considering myself. I mean, I knew God created me, but as I wasn't considered myself to be a steward of my own body, like when we're supposed to take care of the land and the animals, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking that, and then I read that. I was like, yes, we should be good stewards of our own physical bodies as well, because we are also part of God's creation. And I wonder sometimes how many Christians don't do this, take that for granted. Oh, God, we all do, man. We take it we take it for granted because it's, it's kind of like we're given this, you know, original investment of health, right? You're born, you've got this, this battery of health. And then many of us just live off of this battery of health until it drains, never recharging it and never taking care of it. Um, I really believe that stewardship, if you really are trying to do what God asked you to do, um, let's say we're going to steward creation, like we have to take care of, we have to conserve land, we have to take care of the water, and we, you know, all this other stuff. But how do you do that when you're sick and bedridden? How do you do that when you're, you know, you're catching everything that comes around. Every time the flu comes around, you're down with the flu. You're down with the flu, right? Because you're not taking care of your health. So you can't do the first thing God mandated because you're not, you're not applying it to you. So it's like, I feel like I'm called to be a husband and a father. Uh, if I'm not stewarding my own health, those two things directly are s- suffer because of the first decision I'm making, which is to not take care of myself. So stewardship is a, is, to me, it's a, it comes full circle and it starts with me first and then it goes out from there. Exactly. And, and like I said, 
I never really took it. Never. It's not like I wasn't taking it serious. I knew how I felt when I was out of shape, but, but I wasn't thinking that way. I was like, you know, he, he put us in charge of, you know, everything he created, including ourselves. And I, I think Christians really, really need to take that more seriously. And I think if they, if, if Christians did as a whole, we would all probably look and feel a lot better than, than a lot of us do. Yeah, we would. You'd be praying a lot less for a miracle in your health. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, and you'd be spending more time praying for the people in your family, people around the world your city, your community, you know what I mean? Like you could focus more on the things that are important because if you just get a few things in a, in a row, like in line, you know, it takes pressure off. Well, let's, let's talk about the disease. And you, you mentioned a little bit while ago and in chapter three, you talked about, you said 70% of the diseases killing are diseases of lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I noticed a lot of during the COVID stuff too. The stuff, they were not telling us to stay out of fast food lanes they were they were telling us to stay inside the house, mm -hmm. not get our sunlight or vitamin D. They were telling us to stay away from family and friends. Yep. But then they were shutting down gyms. But you had twenty four hour drive throughs at McDonald's and shutting down the twenty four hour gyms. Yep. And I don't know how a person that was thinking logically would step back and say this doesn't make any sense. And 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 I don't I don't know where you land on some of the stuff that I believe as far as the government is. But I was like. I don't, I have zero trust in them. And so I was trying to do the opposite of what they were telling me to do. And it seemed to benefit me because I stayed healthy through it all. Yeah. I did get sick, but I thought it was the flu. It felt like the flu to me, but it yeah. was just, it, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But I'm not trying to disparage people that got sick from COVID. I'm not saying that at all, but I think that a lot of people, it could have been avoided and we're seeing it and more and more studies are coming out now that if people just had a, a, a decent, the right amount of vitamin D in their body, that they said the death toll would have dropped down to like 30%. You know, and this is stuff that they weren't telling us, they weren't telling us to do. But there were a lot of people that did not have the trust in what they were saying. They started waking up. It's like, maybe I should start taking better care of myself because a lot of the people that were going to the hospital, going to the doctor, they were obese. They were not taking care of themselves. And the diseases of, of the diseases of lifestyle yep. goes back to your diet and your, and your exercise and your sleep and all kinds of stuff. And I want to talk about that a little bit because I really kind of want to drill down on this because I think it's so important for people to understand that you've got to be able to take responsibility for your own health mm -hmm. to avoid a lot of this stuff. Yes. Just to answer what you were saying before, I mean, COVID to me was more of the veil being pulled back over a lot of things. And I don't want, and I'm not, you know, I'm not like your big conspiracy hat kind of person, but a lot of those dudes are batting a thousand at this point. So, um, you know what I mean? On a lot of ways. <laughs> so I'm just kind of like, I don't know. But um, when it comes to health, in all honesty, when it comes to health, do the opposite of what the government says, in a sense, because um, much of it is driven by profit rather than by, I mean, the science has been bought for a long time. The studies, many of the pharmaceutical studies have been bought for a long time. One, the largest donors into all of the most of what the government does is pharmaceutical companies, right? So it's not that you can't trust the government. It's that you just have to use your, you have to just logically kind of think about things, in my opinion. So if they're telling me that I can't exercise and exercise is literally the most potent tool we have for health and longevity, then to me, that's immediately a red flag. 
Okay. They're telling me I can't go outside. Well, vitamin D is a master vitamin, almost like a hormone that protects my immune system. And I'm supposed to be fighting this scary COVID thing that's supposedly killing everybody, right? Uh, Zinc is great for the immune system, but it's found in whole foods. It's found in like not fast food, not processed food. It's found in whole foods. So they're not allowing you to like really go to the grocery store very well, or, you know, it's like they're making it more difficult to actually go get real food, but you can go drive through with your mask on in your car to go get a cheeseburger and just, you know, protect yourself from yourself while you're eating your cheeseburger. You know what I mean? So I'm just like, to me, there so much of it was just asinine, but then it also just, it ramped up the health disparity that you would see amongst people who were kind of healthy and those who weren't. So the people who weren't healthy, they went down quick, man. And a lot of the people who were dying, um, a lot of the, a lot of the numbers coming out had comorbidities, right? So these are one or more other factors that made COVID deadly to them, right? So and that would be obesity, diabetes, heart disease. All of these are diseases of of affluence or lifestyle, meaning you're probably overweight and undermuscled, and you're eating a processed junk diet rather than a whole foods diet that actually gives your body nourishment, not just energy. You know what I mean? So yeah, I mean, it definitely revealed a lot of the state that we've perpetuated in the country with our lifestyle and diet so far. Well, and I remember saying this too, when all that was going, I was on on somebody else's podcast when it kind of first started, we're kind of into it a little, I don't know, maybe six or eight months into it. And I remember saying, I was like, man, I think they really screwed this up because I think the longer this goes, people it's going to wake more people up to their own health. It's going to wake people up to this this situation that, like, hang on a second. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, at least it's going to make people think, and they don't want people thinking. But I think this, I think this made people think on their own, which I, which I was happy to see, and I'm hoping it continues. I think I think it definitely revealed, it definitely revealed the people who were willing to think. And the people who weren't willing. For sure. 100%. Yeah, I think that's more what stood out to me is like, oh, okay. I see who's, who's, who's going along and who's not. So. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, just, I find that I, I, I'm happy that they screwed it up. <laughs> I just wish they'd have done it a little differently. You know, I wish people had figured it out on their own before they screwed it up. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. And then and we're still in chapter three and we're not gonna be able to hit every chapter, um, obviously, but, um, in chapter three, you said there there are three major reasons that you'll see Christians not wanting to care for their physical bodies, and I'm gonna I'm gonna list the three reasons, and then you can kind of expound on all three of them. Or do you, would you rather me just read them all, just one at a time? Just read them off, and we'll we'll go through them. All right. So the first reason you said there isn't a lot of good teaching and discipleship around the topic. Number two is we get so focused on eternity and the inevitability of death that we don't think. Caring for our physical bodies has any priority. And number three, we get more focused on comparing ourselves to others who are further along. And I'm guilty of number three. I'll, I'll say that right now. I, I'm guilty, of th- especially with jujitsu. Like I, sometimes it can be like, man, I'm 48 years old. I just started this when I was 48 years old. And I see people in there way more advanced, but I know that they started where I started at some point. So it kind of encouraged me at the same time, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, I think that people, I think as Christians, um, one, like I said, we don't have a lot of good teaching around this. And one reason is, is because we are so focused on winning people to the Lord, which is obviously number one. I mean, that's the last thing Jesus said. If it's the last thing he said to do, it should be the first thing on your mind. You know what I mean? Like, so the Great Commission is 100%. But then there's also this, you know, there's this part that where we we're supposed to raise leaders and we're supposed to become leaders so that we can help others grow in their faith. Right. Well, if if we're if we're teaching only part of what it means to be a leader, which is just pray, have faith and, you know, make sure your finances are in order and pay your tithes. Well, that's great. But what about the other whole other area of my life? It's like my health and my relationships and how do I take care of myself? So I just feel like we're, we just don't have great teaching around it. We need to have more of a, like the, like Paul talks about the full gospel, right? I think it's in Philippians maybe or Colossians he talks about the full gospel. And I include that the full gospel is like, Hey, it's, it's a holistic thing. It's like, it talks about my life and how I interact with the world around me. I interact with Christ. I interact with other people, but then, um, Many of us just get discouraged that people are further along than us. And we have this comparison mentality and Christians are just as guilty of it. You know, we're, we, we all compare, but you can't compare. You can't, you can't compare somebody who's been doing something for 10 years and you've been doing it for one day. Right. You just right. You, you need to have a realistic expectation. Right. And realize that all health is a journey. And. The only way to to get on that journey is to start taking steps and just start taking steps forward. And then as you take steps forward, you're also it's a it's a it's about skill acquisition as well. So as I just like jujitsu, every time I go to class, I'm just taking a step forward and I'm acquiring new skills to deal with the environment and survive the environment. Right. So same thing with health. It's like, I'm just going to start exercise. I'm going to start moving forward. And I'm going to slowly learn how to exercise better. I'm going to slowly learn how to eat better. And I'm acquiring these skills over time that allow me to continue moving forward. And I get better as I go. You don't get great when you start. You know what I mean? Everybody sucks when they start. You know what I mean? Like, it's just the way it is, right? I was just there at jujitsu today and I was rolling with this this white belt guy, I mean, it was like, he's on young, he's strapping young man. He's 24 years old. Looks like a beast. It's like playing with a baby doll. He just had no idea what he was doing. Right. And it's because skill acquisition, he just hasn't been there long enough to really pick up the skills. So most of us in this space as Christians, um, I feel like we just need to embrace the fact that we don't know and just start moving moving down the road and just trying and just admit that this is important and we got to take care of ourselves because why are you praying for a miracle when you could have just made some better decisions? Exactly. And, and I, you know, it reminds me of something too, that I hear quite a bit in that gym is when you show up, you got 1% better today and 1% might sound very small, but if you keep doing it, that 1%, gets more and more and more and more. And I think that can be applied to everything in our life, you know, and especially our health. You, you try something 
you did something today to make yourself one percent better. Yep. You just keep keep going and keep going, and and we don't know when we're gonna when our last day on this earth is, but you're getting better as you go. And I and I when I, I hear people say that, I was like, that makes sense. But at the same time, you're like one percent. I don't know. I'd like to be ten percent better today, but this is not how it works. It's interesting too because I feel like the one percent is people think of that as like a linear progression. Like I can only get to a hundred percent, but it's more like compounding interest, right? It's like I got today. I'm at a hundred. I got one percent better, so a hundred and one is now my hundred. Right. And then a, a year from now, 150 from where I started is now my 100. So I'm like constantly compounding this interest because I'm learning new skills. I'm becoming more confident in my information and my application of that information. But it's it just takes time and humility. because <laughs> Right. Oh, humility <laughs> is, a, is a big deal, man. It's a big deal. Have you I don't know if you've seen that meme, but it was it's pretty funny. And it's a, it's, it's off of a jujitsu page and it says, if you don't think uh, jujitsu is a fight, you've never t- seen two white belts sparring. <laughs> like two pit bulls just going at it, bro. Yeah. And I posted that. I posted that meme in that in that uh, competition group, and I got it. It got quite a few laughs off of it because it reminded me. There's a guy in the in the Breakfast Club. His name is Hunter. Yeah, Hunter. And me and him was two white belts going back and forth. It's a brawl. He's a big guy. I think he was an offensive lineman for the University of Memphis. And I was rolling with him the other day. And I was like, you didn't get any smaller since the last time I saw you. He goes, no, but I can't lose any weight. I said, that's not what I'm saying. I mean, I'm a big guy, like you said, but this guy, he's a, he's, he's pretty solid. He's a lot younger than me. Like wrestling a tree. Yeah. <laughs> that's it's fighting just not moving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so funny, man. Oh, and that, that whole, I feel like the weightlifting or martial arts journey is such a, overlay for learning in general, right? It requires humility. It requires being uncomfortable, requires a little bit of pain and it requires adaptation, right? So, but as you adapt your ability for pain, your threshold for pain goes up for sure. Right? So what you're, what used to make you messed up now is like child's play. It's like nothing, right? It's the same thing when it comes to your health. It's like just learning slowly to just put one foot in front of the other, you know? I, re- I remember when I first started training jujitsu, I'd wake up and I had I was sore in areas that I didn't know could be sore. Like there were muscles that were that had never been used apparently. And I was <laughs> I was pretty sore. And I've kind of gotten better at it as I've, as I've gone. They're not as sore as they used to be. But I remember that first time after my first, I, it took me a while to start rolling. And when I first started rolling, I woke up and was like, damn, I didn't know I had a muscle there. I had no idea. That sucker's sore right now. And it makes you think about like all the guys who are like, man, I don't need jujitsu. I'm just crazy. I just, you know, like just wait until I, when I see red bodies hit the floor. And you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> bro, you ain't been in a real fight then because this is, it's, it's exhausting. Oh yeah. It's just crazy. But it's so much fun. I woke up, I would, for, for the first year, I would wake up, I'd get out of bed and I'd have to be kind of like bent over at a 90 degree angle just to slowly lift my lower back up. So I didn't, I wasn't like, Oh God, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? like, and then eventually I was like, oh, okay, I'm, I feel good now. I'm all right. 
Okay, in chapter four, and I, I read this line. I want you to talk about it a little bit too. But when I read it, I laughed. I laughed out loud. It was the funniest thing. He said, "Many of us live like unsupervised kids with our diet and lifestyle." And this is going to lead into sleep and diet as we, you know, as we close the show. But I thought that was so funny because it's true, and I'm guilty of it. I mean, I would. I've got a sweet tooth that if I that I can keep it tame for the most part. But when that sucker gets loose. It's no holes barred, man. If I see a bag of cherry sours, it's all over. And if I take them to work with me, I have to share them because I'll sit there and I'll, and I'll plow through this bag of cherry sours. You know, you know what I'm saying? But that's what I read. That I was like, I, I know what that means because I'm an unsupervised kid a lot of the time when it comes to my diet. It's so funny too because um, you know I say that kind of stuff to because it is funny. You know, I, my my goal is never to disparage anyone, but to have fun. You know, if we if you can't laugh at yourself, then I don't know what else. I don't know what to do for you, right? So I'm like, I feel like self deprecation is like the most the most fun form of comedy. Yeah. Right. So, um, but many of us live that way, and and really, I was thinking about that. And you know, one of the reasons why most of us will live that way um, is because if you look in like I think it's Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, it says um, where there is no vision, people cast off restraint right? The people cast off restraint, right? So if you don't have a vision for where you want your body and your health to be, then there is no restraint required, right? You, there's, there's nothing going to constrain you to follow a harder path. Does that make sense? So many of us, we don't have a vision for our health. We don't have a vision for where we want to be. So we do kind of live in this unsupervised way. We just kind of, it's more about I'm going from the thing I want to the thing I want. The emotional, you know, the emotional salve of this chocolate bar, the, the emotional healing over here of pizza and beer. You know what I mean? And it's just like we go from thing to thing based off what we want, not based off what we need, right? If I have a vision for my health, then I have a, a strategy and that thing constrains me to some extent to move in a particular direction. Um, if you don't, if we don't do that, if we don't have that, then you're just kind of all over the map and you're wondering how you got here, right? You know, one day you wake up and you're like, okay, I'm 60 pounds overweight. I feel like dump. I've got sleep apnea. Uh, the doctor's telling me I'm pre-diabetic. How did I get here? Well, it's because you did, you weren't, you didn't have a vision for where you were going. Right. So I just, I, um, I really just want to encourage people. It's like a big part of this, the book and the reason why I wrote it is really just to help people take responsibility for their health. Like just take responsibility for it. Nobody's coming to save you. Only Jesus came to save your soul. Right. And he's the only one that came and he's not, you know, <laughs> you, there's no second shots at that. So it's like when we, when we walk with the Lord, there's this cooperation with him co-operating. We operate together. So I have to do my part to make sure that this vessel can go the distance that God has planned out for me. You know, so it's just like if you're living like an unsupervised child with your food, think, you know, how can how how is that going to help me in the future? Right. It's just it's not you, you have to have a vision for where you want to be and where you want to go. Exactly. And, and it's something you, you made you stressed in the book, too, is, is the dis discipline. And, and 
I think, you know, if we're living as unsupervised kids with our diet, we're, we're, we are undisciplined. But once you start getting a little discipline, it starts changing your eating habits, changing your sleep habits, changing your exercise habits, changing. Would you add a little discipline? You know, when people think about discipline, sometimes they don't think about it in the right in the right frame of mind, in my opinion. But to me, discipline is not a bad thing, especially when it comes to taking care of for yourself. I think you need to be disciplined Agreed. if you're going to take care of yourself. Agreed. I like what Jocko Willink says, what discipline equals freedom. Well, I haven't heard that. I like that, too. Discipline equals freedom in that if I am disciplined, now I have margin to be free when I want. I like that. So it's like people ask me like, bro, you must never eat carbs. You know, people always are like that. Like, you must never eat carbs. Look at you. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I work really hard to be in good shape, but I'm an adult. I'll like I was just hanging out with some friends the other day and we're like eating pizza and beer at 10 o'clock at night. Like, but that's not everything. That's not every day. I don't live that way. But all this discipline gives me margin to have fun when I want to. Right. Without the consequences of just living like an unsupervised child with my diet. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. I love that. Let's talk about sleep a little bit. Yeah, this is this is a difficult one for me because of my work schedule and trying to fit in exercising, fit in jujitsu. You know, yeah. it, it's it's it, it can be if you I've have had to try to prioritize a lot of things to make sure I get in the gym, to make sure I'm eating right, to make sure I'm sleeping right. Yeah. And that sleep can be difficult sometimes, especially when we get busy at work. And I know a lot of people that work, you know, some weird hours like I do. You know, we don't all I, I call people like work during the day. I just call them day walkers. I don't know how y'all function that way. I can't. I can't. I've been doing working nights for so long now that the idea of getting up at five in the morning sounds awful. I want to go to sleep at five o'clock in the morning. I don't want to wake up. at five <laughs> in the morning. You've switched. To, you've switched it, you know. But you mentioned in this book, it says uh, daylight saving time. There was a 24% increase in heart attacks the following day. And you've also mentioned that that's not, you're not, they're not attributing the heart attacks to daylight saving time, but it's, it is something that people get sick of. I'm sick of daylight savings time. I'm like, I'm moved to Arizona just to be away from it. <laughs> <laughs> but you said, I don't, you said mentioned by Dr. Walker at Tech Insider, five and a half hours compared to seven and a half hours of sleep decreased the proportion of weight loss as as fat by 55% mm-hmm. and increase the loss of muscle by 60%. Mm-hmm. Fixing sleep over a year's time can add muscle and loss of fat without exercising or dieting. Yeah. Now, if you tell people that, well, if I just fix my sleep and I can lose some weight, a lot of people are like, I'm just going to fix my sleep. No, I mean, there's got to be more to it. But yes. if you can lose weight by sleeping, <laughs> I'm on board with that because I, I do I do like my sleep, you know, but I think that's an interesting point that people don't take into fact into consideration with is is their sleep. The sleep's got to be an important part of your yep. your regimen. Yeah, it's got to be a part of your schedule that you fit in if you're trying to lose weight and try to stay in better shape. Sleep is sleep is what some some people just consider it like unconsciousness. This thing, this this really irritating thing that I have to just be unconscious for a while. And it's not just unconsciousness. It's actually like a resetting of your nervous system. It's uh, it's like a systems check. It's like if you were like defragging your hard drive every night, you know what I mean? It's like it's reordering files. It's clearing out waste products, uh, it's particularly like amyloid plaque in the brain, um, which is thought to have a correlation with Alzheimer's, right? So sleep deprivation... And Alzheimer's are very well connected, dementia in general. 
So it's not just this thing where you just lose consciousness and wake up. You know, it's not that. What it is, is it's, it's literally a reordering, a resetting of your hormones. It's a systems check. And if that systems check is not completed on a regular basis, the system gets out of whack, right? People who sleep six hours a night eat, on average, 20% more than if they slept eight hours a night. You know what I do whenever I put somebody on a diet and make them track their calories? I put them in a 20% deficit, meaning we're going to ask you to eat 20% less food. So you literally could go on a diet by just sleeping eight hours a night because the energy has to come from somewhere. So I either get the energy from sleeping and recharging or I don't sleep enough. So I have to eat and take in energy externally to keep the system moving forward. So sleep is just not this, it's not just this irritating issue, right? Pretty much we don't have, I don't think we have any major mental health uh, diagnoses that do not have sleep problems connected with them, right? In some form, whether they cause sleeplessness or sleeplessness exacerbates um, the mental health issue. So we have to realize like sleep is a biological imperative for the human species. It is. I mean, God told us we had to rest. So <laughs> go take a nap, bro. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, Hey, if, if nap was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Amen. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. And I've noticed something about myself too. When I'm not getting the right amount of sleep, my, the things I eat is compared, it's different. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know what, what it is about my sleep, but I'll go and eat some garbage instead of eating, you know, some eggs or something. And I'll go, yeah. if I'm running late because I didn't get enough sleep or whatever, and then I'll stop by and grab a cheeseburger like we were talking about earlier. And I, I've noticed that about myself. But when I'm sleeping well, when I'm sleeping like I should, my diet, my diet suffers whenever I'm not sleeping right, when I'm not exercising. When I'm staying out of the gym, my diet suffers. When I'm not sleeping right, my diet suffers. But when I'm doing that, doing those two things, my diet is way better, way better. Yeah. Well, sleep in particular helps with better decision making. Um, you know what I mean? Like just if you just think about the brain fog you have when you're not sleeping enough, yeah. you're just foggy. You're you're when you're driving, you're a little more distracted. When you're talking to your family, you're a little more spacey. Right. So. All that will transfer over into all your decisions as well. So you have less willpower to make the right decision at the right, you know, in, in the moment when the moment presents itself. And I think being sleeping, like having a good sleep schedule is part of having a good plan for your life. And like having a good plan increases success exponentially, right? Like winging it from day to day is a great way to not really get anywhere. Um, but having a plan to, hey, I'm plant like I sleep eight hours a night. I'm going to exercise this many times a week and I'm going to do my best to eat 80% of the time. I'm going to try to eat like this, right? Just having that plan ensures far more success than just being like, well, it's two. I guess I better go to bed. I got to wake up at six. You know, like you didn't have a plan for what was happening the next day. You didn't know. You, you just, you're just winging it. Right. And that's the unsupervised. Like if I let my daughter just be unsupervised, she's 12. 
she will stay up until 3 a.m. and then make all of us pay for it the next day. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, no, right? This is not how this is going to go, right? Because somebody's getting spanked up in here. You know what I mean? Like, and it ain't me. <laughs> all right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's that's a good uh, lead into this to to diet. You know, in chapter eight, you talk about diet. Yeah, and trying to figure out what's best for me is it, diet is, is something I've always struggled with. I've tried all the things, you know, and I was listening to I don't know how much you listen to Joe Rogan, but I was listening to him. One I listen day. to Joe a lot. Okay, I was listening to him one day, and he 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 was talking about what he eats, and that guy's in, in great shape. What he's like fifty six years old or something, and he's in great shape. You know, he trains all the time, he exercises all the time, and he but he's he's real specific about his diet. Mm-hmm. And he said something, and it, he talked about the carnivore diet, but I don't think it's exactly what he's talking about. He's talking. He said he mainly eats meat, cheese, eggs, and fruit. And when I heard him say that, I was like, I think I can do that because I like meat. Yeah, I like fruit. I like cheese, and I love eggs. I eat a lot of eggs, mm-hmm. and we, you know, I don't cut out all the carbs, but I've cut out sugar and and carbs quite a bit because when I first moved to Memphis to take the new job, what our work does, we they have us for our insurance. They go, they have us go to the doctor and have a uh, a biometric exam done once a year. Keeps our insurance uh, payment down. And what my first one here in Memphis, they said I was borderline diabetic. Yep. I was um, I was over three hundred pounds. Wow! I probably had just finished off a bag of cherry sours, <laughs> you know. And so they they said stay out of the fast food lanes, cut out carbs, cut out sugar. And I did it. I got real serious about. It. I was drinking water and black coffee. Okay. And I ate just you know I stayed away from all that stuff. And and I dropped fifty pounds very quick. And I wasn't even exercising a whole lot when I was doing that. Okay. But what I've, I've kind of stuck with that. What I heard Rogan say. But I also, it's sometimes I feel like I hit a plateau and I don't know if there's anything else I can do with my diet or if it's mm. just going to require more, more exercise to get past that plateau because mm. I still need to lose more weight. You know, the last time my last uh, checkup at the doctor, she said, you're still a little overweight. And I said, I know. But there was a time like she had me stay out of jujitsu and the gym because I was having shoulder issues. And there's still something there, but I'm, I'm able to work through it. I can deal with it. But anyway, getting back to diet, I think this is something that I don't know if there's a one size fits all plan for this, or do you do you agree with that or disagree? Is there is there different things that different people should do depending on their body makeup, or is it is there is there a plan that people can stick to as far as their diet? Well, I mean, I think there's some basic principles that everybody should try to adhere to, and then because we're all individuals and we all have a different genetic makeup, we all come from different environments, we're exposed to different things over our lives, and we all have different <laughs> in some ways, traumas and stuff that make us do certain things and we act out in certain ways. I think, But I think there's some basic principles. And based on what we see in the science is that just not overeating is probably one of the best things you can do, right? Just try not to overconsume, like stuff yourself. You know what I mean? Probably one of the best things you can do. Keeping the quality of your food high, meaning not having processed food as much. So, you know, a a whole foods diet in a sense, not going to whole foods because nobody can afford that. Um, (laughs) Right. So he's like, he told me to eat at whole foods. I was like, no, that's not what I meant. Like a whole foods diet, meaning like I tell people like if if it walked on the earth or swam in the sea, you could, you should probably eat it. If it came out of the ground or came off of a tree, you're probably good to eat it. 
Um, you know what I mean? If it comes in a box, you should definitely think twice about it, right? The majority, 80% of your food should just be normal food like your grandparents ate, you know, like lots of meat, eggs, animal products, fruits, veggies, um, potatoes, things like that, things that require some digesting. The thing that gets most of us in trouble is the more you process a food, the more calories it has per serving, and then the less satisfying it is. That's why you can eat at McDonald's, bang out 800 calories real quick, and then be hungry in just a couple hours because there's no fiber in it. There's, there's tons of you know, salt and sugar and all this other stuff that just are not really satisfying. They taste delicious, but fiber, um, protein, fats, these things are really satiating. They make you feel full, right? Like I got back from jujitsu and I ate rice, chicken. I had some hummus with it. I made like this bowl. It was only like 700 calories and I had trouble finishing it, right? Because I was just like, oh my God, I'm chewing on this freaking chicken breast. My jaw's getting sore. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's hard to get a lot of calories in when the food is really high quality. So I think if you're if you're trying to just try not to overconsume, try to keep the quality high, you're doing you're going to do really good. Now everybody's an individual, so some things some people don't process carbohydrates very well. Some people, you know, like I process carbohydrates really well. Like I can I can eat a ton of carbs and I don't gain any weight. Some people they start eating, you know, bread and stuff and all of a sudden their blood glucose shoots up. They just don't transport it real well. So you need to know a little bit more about your story and where you are. Um, but I do think it's very smart to try to keep your processed sugars down um, because there's some evidence to show that many of diseases that are killing people nowadays that are basically driving up our healthcare costs exponentially are very much related to overconsumption and then overconsumption of processed foods like processed fats and carbohydrates. One of the number one things that people eat are what would be considered like pastry goods. That's like where most people's calories come from, which are like salt, sugar, and processed gluten and all the stuff just mashed together into like pastries. And that just drives this insulin resistance, prediabetes, right? Because you're just overwhelming the system all the time with things that, you know, have, have to be either used or stored, which is what carbs and fats have to do. They have to be used or stored. And if you're not exercising, you're not using it. You know what I mean? So you're just storing it. So I just think there's a, as a first principles, do your best not to overconsume. Make sure that the quality of your food is really high. Prioritize protein above everything else. Um, I know Joe, like, and some of these guys are in the carnivore community. Uh, I have no problem with that if that works for you. But um, that doesn't work for me. I've tried. I got depressed. Uh, I was like, oh, my God, I need a potato. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, so, uh, but it does work for some people. I know some guys it works great for us. Totally fine. If you can kind of stick to those few principles, you're going to do pretty good. And then as you learn your body, you can start tweaking and splitting hairs a little more on like, how many carbs should I be eating? Can I eat that bread? Does bread upset my stomach? 
you know, pasta, should I even eat pasta? Like I don't eat much pasta just because as much as I can eat of it, it's like I eat like 700 calories worth of pro- pasta. It's like, it's just not worth it. You know what I mean? Yeah, that kind of stuff just sets heavy on me too. Yeah. And I love pasta. I mean, I love pasta. Who doesn't? You know, yeah, and I love pizza. And I think that's one thing. I don't, I think I'm one of those that fall in the camp of not being able to process carbs very well. And I think that's why mm-hmm. I was pre-diabetic. I'm no longer pre-diabetic. Whenever they, I go back and check, they, they all everything checks out the way it's supposed to, you know. That's great. My doctor, she told me the last time, she's like, you're just too good for me. And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, I don't know about all that. <laughs> but, you know, but I have, I, I do know that, that I've learned that about myself as far as carbs. Now, don't get me wrong. I like, yeah. I like mashed potatoes. You know, we got the holidays coming up too. Thanksgiving's around the corner and then Christmas and you got all that wonderful food to eat. Eight weeks of gluttony, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Eight weeks of gluttony. Here we come. And then we start over January 1st, right? <laughs> and everybody just repents of their sins and just tries to get rid of it. And then you got 7,000 people in the gym trying to work off the holidays. <laughs> On the bench press only. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. There's a couple of things I want to ask you about before I let you go because while well, I've got you. Yeah, dude. Um, there's... There's two things that I've started recently. Very recently was intermittent fasting. Okay. I've just started it this week. And I've, so I've not had time to see if there, you know, any results from it, but I think it, it's a good idea for me. And also cold plunging. And, I, and I've been told that's just a fad, but I see a lot of people doing cold plunging. I've, I've noticed a big difference with cold plunging with myself um, because it changes. It, it gives me a boost of energy that lasts longer than any caffeine I've ever ingested. Um, it lasts the, 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 my mood, it's a mood enhancer that like, like nothing I've ever experienced. And if I happen to do one after I get done working out, I can tell the difference in how my muscles feel mm-hmm. the next day. And I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts on, on those two things are. And then I'll let you plug whatever you want to plug. No, that's great. These are great. So I think, um, well, they're both in, they're both in the category of their tools. All right. So a big issue that I've found in we find in the uh, health space in general is there's so much kind of woo woo kind of everything's a secret weapon all of a sudden. You know what I mean? Like intermittent fasting was the secret for a while. You know what I mean? It's like, how do we forget about not eating? You know what I mean? Like so it became this like secret for a while. And then cold plunge became like this thing you had to do. Um, But they're just tools right? They're tools. And for intermittent fasting, it's a tool to just help you cut some calories out. That's all it does. It doesn't, you, you, you know what I mean? Like people, like people call it intermittent fasting. I like to call it skipping breakfast, right? So it's just, you're just, you're skipping breakfast. So what does that do? It immediately takes your calories down by four to 600 calories for the day. That is if you don't try to eat those calories back later in the day. Okay. So it's just an easy way, especially I find for guys who are like in their mid thirties and up, they find it very easy to just have two meals a day. Totally fine. So, um, it can definitely do a great job. I did it for years, did it for like five or six years straight. I didn't have abs until I did that. Right. I couldn't see my abs until I did that. And, the reason was because I didn't like track my food and all that back then. I just was like, just kind of eating, you know, eating smart, but probably eating too much. Um, so it's a great tool. And if it works for you, absolutely use it. Just be careful in your case, because sleep is like this constant tension for you. 
um, intermittent fasting can add a stress. It can be a stress, right? Um, the re one of the reasons why, um, like when you get really tired, you're, you're hungry is because you, your body, you, when you get really tired, you kind of have this like bit of a cortisol push and then your body really wants an insulin, wants an insulin spike to help put you to sleep. Right. So, but if you deny that, you just kind of get this just stress, right? So you just have to be careful with it. You shouldn't be religious about it. You should try to use it like a tool. Hey, today I'm feeling pretty good. I feel like I can skip. I can get, I won't eat until noon or whatever. Great. And just make sure you're getting plenty of protein in it at the two meals you are taking in. Great. Right. It can absolutely be a great tool. hundred percent, but it's not going to solve all your problems. It's not going to, it's not going to heal your gout. You know, like some people are like acting like it's this miracle. It's not going to do that. Um, it can help with certain things like diabetes and prediabetes because you just stay without insulin spikes longer. Therefore, you clear, you clear glucose. You know, you stay clear for longer. So your, your sensitivity starts to increase over time. One thing I'm, one thing I'm doing with the intermittent fasting, like working night shift, our, our last break of the night is like one o'clock in the morning. I'll eat an avocado, a couple little uh, clementine oranges. I don't know clementines are called. I don't know they call them clementines, but anyway, you know what I'm talking about. And I might eat some almonds or something. And that's the last thing I'll eat. What I've done is I'll go home. If I don't go to the gym after work, I'll go home, shower, go to bed, and then I won't eat again till like three o'clock in the after afternoon, right before work. And then I have we have our lunch break, and then I have that snack at the end of the night. That's what I. That's my intermittent fasting, and it seems to be. It's not making me used to, I, if I went to sleep hungry, I couldn't sleep. And now I'm able, I think adding that avocado to my last snack, it kind of sticks to me a little bit better. So I'm not going to sleep hungry. If I could make a suggestion for you, add protein to that last meal, because you, you're going to want, one thing that happens with people with intermittent fasting is they just don't get enough protein in. So you end up kind of losing muscle mass over time, which kind of, it kind of slows down the whole process of weight loss because you need muscle mass to help burn more energy just sitting still. Like people who have a lot of muscle, that muscle is expensive. So it takes calories. So you're burning calories just sitting. So you want to protect your muscle mass at all costs. So if I were you, I would say whatever you need to do, even if it's like, hey, my last meal's at one, throw in some rotisserie chicken in there, just some chicken breast, you know, couple, you know, 150 grams of chicken breast with an avocado and you're going to be nice and full and you're not going to want to eat nothing until three o'clock. You know what I mean? And that way you're, you're always like, you're, you're framing the inter the fasting window with protein hits. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? To protect your muscle mass, to make sure you're feeling full. So you're not getting these cravings out of nowhere. Yeah, for sure. And that's, that's what I was worried about with it is, is losing muscle mass. And, um, because like I said, I'll go home and go to sleep after that. And I, I found when I was reading about it, they said for for beginners, it's best to try to do the intermittent fasting when, when part of that is when you're sleeping. So you're taking like seven to eight hours of sleep and you're getting through 12 to 14 hours of no eating. So you're, you're killing over half of that while you're asleep. I'm like, okay, there you go. I think I can do that. <laughs> That's great. But if you just added that protein in, dude, it's going to help you a ton. And it's gonna, it should make your results come a little faster too. As far as cold plunge goes, cold plunge is great. It does, it is invigorating. It, 
It does decrease inflammation in the joints. Um, it can be really great. Like there's a guy named Wim Hof, the Iceman Wim Hof. He does all this kind of stuff. It's He's insane, actually. Uh, but <laughs> like he's like swimming in like Nordic fjords and stuff yeah. and like just having a great time with icebergs. I'm like, nah, bro, I'm good. Uh, you know what I mean? So um, it can be really great for you. Um, and it does have an energizing effect because of the kind of cold shock kind of protein that releases. Um, so it can be great for you. It, I find a lot of people who, who like it, they have had some type of like, they have joint pain of some type and it just soothes that and it makes them feel better. It can help with your testosterone levels to some extent. Cold showers tend to boost testosterone levels, at least transiently uh, a little bit. So it can be good. One thing it does really well is if you do it for an extended amount of time, it increases what's something called brown fat. Um, which is, you know, located kind of, it's what babies have. It's what keeps them warm. Uh, and it is m very metabolically active fat cells and it's supposedly really good for you. So it can have some great, um, metabolic effects, but is it, is it the savior? Is it the, you know, is it the end all be all? No, it's a tool to help you feel. I don't like cold plunge. It, it, to me, it, it, I ache so bad that I don't enjoy it. Um, so I prefer like sauna. Okay. Right. You can get similar effects out of sauna. So I think it's great. I think you use it. Um, it can kind of boost metabolism briefly. You know what I mean? Because like, if you, if you think when you're, when your body is constantly trying to raise temperature, you're burning more calories, like your thermic effect goes up significantly. So you can burn more calories that way. So it does have some useful applications, in my opinion. But it's not the uh, cure-all to end-all. No, 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 no. All the, like a lot of people who act like that, like who are like, hey, fasting, it's the cure that we forgot about millennia ago. It's like, no, it's not actually, you know what I mean? Like just not eating. Like there's a lot of people who are starving around the world. They're not living very long, right? So um, it's it's none of these things are religious or secret knowledge. You know what I mean? And, and that's one of the things we have to really get away from in this, uh, in this pursuit of health, because if everything is secret knowledge, then you're just going to be fall trapped to the next guy with a great marketing plan. Right. And, and it's just, and that's why so many people are jumping from diet to diet and they're not seeing results because they're not finding useful information that's, that's applicable to their situation and then sticking with it over time. They're just jumping from next promise to promise to promise to promise. You know what I mean? That's why how some guy ends up with a cold plunge in his front yard, you know, and he's spent 50 grand on this cold plunge, but he's over here eating pizza at night before he goes to bed. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the cold plunge was supposed to help. No, well, it actually, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't count. It's not going to offset your bad decisions. Yeah, it's not going to cut out that large pepperoni pizza you just ate. <laughs> no, you need some black olives on there. That might help. I'm just kidding. <laughs> awesome. I've enjoyed this. I've, I've been looking for the conversation. It's, a, it's, an, it's an important topic for me. It's an important topic for a lot of people that, are, that I've seen just on, on social media, too. And, and, and folks, even if you're not a Christian listening to this, go read this ebook because it's, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of information in this that, that we're not, that some of us might not be aware of. And I think it's going to be good for 
just if you're Christian and it's going to help you with your with your faith and all this, that's great. And if you're not a Christian, that's that's also great. Go and read this because you're going to learn a lot of things from Adam and what he put down in this ebook. And um, Adam, why don't you go ahead and plug whatever you want to plug your book and, and all of your other stuff, too. And then I'll let you get out of here. Yeah, man. If you can, you can just check us out. Um, my website is Adam, adambro.com. Uh, B-R-A-U-D. So I'm from Louisiana. I'd say we don't have to ever say anything like it's spelt. So my last name is Bro as in B-R-O, but we it's, it's spelt B-R-A-U-D. So at the website, you can go in the shop. You can download the book there. It's very reasonably priced because the goal is not to make tons of money. The goal is to try to help as many people as possible. And you can check me out on Instagram. Just same thing at Adam Bro. And we have tons of information on there. Just follow us. Give us, give us a, you know, Give us some likes here and there. Leave some comments. If you have questions, just DM me directly and I'll do my best to answer questions for you easily. Like seriously, um, we're here to help people. We're not here to get rich. Um, making money is great, but we'd rather help people in the long run. So um, if if you're interested, just check us out. We'd love to talk to you. Is this, uh, let me ask you this. Is this something like, I, there's a lot of people that listen to this show that are not in Memphis. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I talk to people across the world, you know, that is there, is, is there stuff that they, that you can help them out like through like online stuff, kind of training stuff. Yep. Yep. So all the training I do with people is all virtual. Um, everything I do is none of it's in person because that's just trading time for money. And I can only help so many people with the number of hours I have per day. So I went to a, an online platform only. So the way I help people is I take, I take them on as clients. We teach them how to eat. We teach them um, how to strategize with, for their health and put together a plan that will work for them. Um, we get them in the gym in some form, and then we walk together over the long haul, right? So it's like having a coach in your pocket, somebody to guide you through and deal, help you overcome obstacles. Because if you this, the stats show that if you have a third party accountability, your your chances of success go up by 96%, right? So it's like just having somebody who is not impressed by you and doesn't answer to you to help you along the way is, is a huge key to success, especially in this area where the topics are so convoluted, so confusing. Everybody's a guru. Everybody knows the secret information, you know what I mean? And it all, con- it all conflicts with the other guy with the secret information. So um, we'd, if, if you're looking for a coach, we'd love to chat with you and see if we're a good fit for you because um, we want to help, help you if we can. I probably need to check that out because like I mentioned earlier, I, I feel like I hit a plateau and then I just cannot get past it. And it's yeah. probably something that I'm doing. So I probably need to check yeah. that out myself. We can chat it up. I'd also do consultations with people. Like if people just have blood work issues or they're just not sure where they should start, we just set up a call. It's a it's a reasonably priced call and we sit for an hour and we just talk through your situation and say, hey, these are these are the, the next steps I would take and start pushing down this road. And then we can meet again in a couple of months and just see how that's going. So we'll, we'll walk with you as best we can. All right. Sounds great, Adam. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me and I will uh, let you get out of here and get back to your family. Thanks for joining us this week on the Bad Roman Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcasts to never miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, it really helps people find us. 100% of donations are given to local charities in Memphis, Tennessee. To learn more about the Bad Roman Project, 
and to find show notes, please visit thebadroman.com. <laughs>